Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. We are listener led and listener supported. So if you are one of the thousands of people who do listen on a daily if not weekly basis, please throw us the price of a fancy cup of coffee or maybe a tea and scone once a month and it helps keep the mics on and the conversations like the one you're about to hear keep happening. This is obviously the conversation we had the other evening with the lads Owen and Roman from The Ditch in relation to the ongoing controversy with, uh, relating to Finna Fall, TD, Niall Collins and his property dealings. We also delve into the lack of coverage in mainstream outlets as of now and we discuss a little bit about Onboard Planala. So while you're listening, why not click the link at the top of the podcast that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. Join us for a month and you'll get access to our entire back catalogue, all of our podcasts in one place, including plenty of exclusives, including two great conversations out already this week. We had our Sunday show on the news of the week and the latest episode of Lost of Implementation is out there already this morning for our members. So one more time, patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. I'm going to stop rabbiting on. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and we won't gild the lily t- this evening, folks. We are back with the two men behind the Ditch website, Roman Shortle and Owen McNeil. Uh, and uh, there is only one story in town, guys. And yet again, you find yourselves in the, I'd say, in the eye of the storm. And while everything is kind of calm right now in mainstream, social media is up in arms about, about the uh, stories that you broke this week. But if you don't mind, Roman, I want to come to you. The, the stories relating to... Niall Collins, um, Finnafall TD in Limerick, they, from you guys, they go back to February now at this stage. So if you wouldn't mind, in, in, as, in as brief as you can, can you kind of bring us through some of the things that, that your reporting has, has um, exposed over the last couple of months now in relation to Mr. Collins and, and his uh, business, his political and indeed his family uh, home situations? Yeah, I think um, the first story... Uh, that we ran relating to property or land dealings was in February of this year. Um, and it actually related to the the site that is the subject of our latest um, uh, article. Um, basically, uh, a, a planning agent who applied for planning permission to build uh, five homes on this site in Patrickswell in Limerick on behalf of Niall Collins' wife, Emer O'Connor, um, claimed in email correspondence that the the true owner of the site was Niall Collins. Um, and Niall Collins uh, yeah, didn't give us any comment and uh, subsequently then denied the allegations to uh, another uh, paper or media organisation. Um, fast forward then... Uh, we ran a story on his planning application from 2000, I think it was, um, where he applied for planning permission for a house for himself and then uh, didn't declare um, that he already owned a property, uh, didn't uh, lied about the fact that he was uh, living with his um, parents when he wasn't he already owned a home he was living with his wife in, in Dura Doyle um, <clears throat> he seemed to wriggle his way out of that one um, on, on the basis that he said of, of, of the of the 
planning at the time, you only need to fulfill two of the three, and sure, that one doesn't matter. The- yeah, what he what he did essentially was, and um, it seems to have worked um, for a, a lot of people uh, in 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 mainstream media. Seem to have bossed what he said, but basically, what he did was um, he he claimed that those criteria that he listed um, were criteria that you know entitled you to permission, when in fact. They were criteria. They were the only criteria where you you could the exceptional criteria where you could get permission to build uh, a property in one of these uh, pressure areas, as they were called. Um, and we uh, we had a, a big kind of scrap with Limerick County Council, and eventually they confirmed that uh, a housing needs assessment. Um, which would look at whether or not you already had a property was part of the uh, requirements. Hence the question on the form um, uh, about your current accommodation situation. Um, and yeah, so there I was mean, also that, there was also an advertising which you're obliged to take out to to show um, that you've applied for this, and it, it, the name on it appeared to be <laughs> Neil uh, O'Connor. Um, I put it to you, Owen, that that all of these mistakes or errors seem to fall in in um, in in the TD's favour. No. Yeah, look at you know um, these kind of mistakes. They can oftentimes seem kind of small things, but a lot of the reporting that we've done around declarations and planning applications, it just always happens that these mistakes fall in one particular direction, and it usually. It's usually the direction that allows TDs to kind of, TDs and ministers to uh, add a little layer of opaqueness over what they own and, you know, what they should declare. And that was certainly the, the case with, um, um, with, with now Collins's planning applications for sure. Yeah. But this is seismically different. And I think I'm fair in saying that this is seismically different. There is, it's one thing to be opaque, um, but this falls into a different category. Which explain to me why this falls into a different category? Would have thought so. Yeah. Um, the most recent story that we published it concerns um, a site which was the subject of our first story going back, as Roman said, uh, back in February. And Niall Collins's wife made an inquiry to the council about buying council-owned land. This is going back to December 2006. Following months in January 2007, at the next meeting of one of the electoral areas um, in Limerick, the electoral area that Niall Collins was a councillor for, the next meeting, um, a council engineer put it to the councillors that, and according to the minutes that um, of of the meeting, that um, expressions, plural, of interest have been received from members of the public about buying this particular plot of land in Patrick's Law in Limerick. Now, according to Freedom of Information documents that we got from Limerick County Council, there was only one expression of interest, and that was from Niall Collins's wife. At the meeting, um, another Fianna Fáil councillor 
um, one of Niall Collins's party colleagues, he proposed selling the land and all seven councillors voted to sell this land. Um, there was a little bit of back and forth between Collins's wife, Emma O'Connor, and the council, but ultimately she bought the land from the council for €148,000 um, in 2007. And as you say, Martin, um, different indeed because um, it is a criminal offence for anti-councillors to vote on matters in which their spouse has a material interest. Like that, so in, in summary, if we were to take it out of the realm of, of what we're talking about here, in effect, um, this, is, this is the equivalent of, first of all, there's a conflict of interest, there's a political conflict of interest, and there's a, a, a an ability here for financial gain to be gotten from this. And, and Roman, that now seems to be the case, that there, there are indeed going to stand uh, to financially benefit from this because there, there are now uh, properties being, being purchased that are, that are being built and now being sell back, sent, sold back to the local authority. Yeah, um, as part of the the records that were released under the Freedom of Information Act, um, it, 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 it's it's basically what's been happening is uh, Niall Collins' wife approached the council uh, around 2020 after they had gotten permission to build uh, five properties on the site. Now, actually, what's interesting, if you go back a little bit, they were given permission by Limerick to build four properties in 2019. Um, that's Ema O'Connor and uh, another individual um, who she's gone into partnership with for building those properties. But on board, Planola actually ruled against um, Ema O'Connor and, and, and in favour of the residents who objected. And uh, the Limerick uh, permission, Limerick County Council permission was was uh, overruled, but they applied again and again. Limerick Council gave them permission for five properties on what used to be um, a, a children's green area, um, which you know it, it's quite incredible. Like that, the council w w would sell um, what had been used as a children's green area was, for decades. They did want it as a kind of playground. Am I right in that? Let's. Yeah. Well, it, it was a, it was a play area that was used by local children and uh, a primary school for educational and recreational activities. Um. But yeah. Anyway, they got permission uh, for five houses in twenty twenty, and I don't know the residents. Maybe they were sick uh, putting in appeals, but they didn't appeal at this time to ABP. And immediately after getting permission, they start negotiating with the council to uh, offer them a turnkey package, similar to uh, what Robert Troy was doing, um, Niall Collins' party colleague up in, in Westmead, um, basically, uh, you know, negotiating to offer this kind of turnkey package of five houses. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at within at the moment. And I play the devil's advocate here. And can I say to you the time difference from the time it was acquired as a piece of land to the time it turned a profit, that that's the out, that's the get out clause. That's, 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 the, that's how they're going to get away with it. 
I think, um, you know, to venture into the realm of it's speculation. speculation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, speculation, pun intended. And over the course of that, of, of those 15 years, when the plot was left vacant, arguably it was increasing in value um, to the point where we now are at the present day and, they're, and they are negotiating with the council uh, for this turnkey proposal. So I think, um, you know, taking ownership of the land and then maintaining ownership uh, over, over over the course of its almost 15-year vacancy. I think, personally, I would see that speculation as... Um, yeah, you could call it... Other people, other, other people might call it land hoarding. You know, some like, might, some might. Yeah, yeah this yeah, is my. Yeah, this is yeah, like, yeah. like we've seen recently, and again, I don't want. I'm not. A, this isn't speculation. We've seen an, an announcement by the Minister for Housing recently about subsidies to developers to bring down the cost of development. What that effectively has done is it's it's it's. So, if you imagine Nama sold land for per for per site on say, if we were building on a site, it worked out about twenty five grand per unit you could fit on the site of the on, for the land you were buying. You know, depending on densities and all the rest of it, that's the average. Based on the new calculations out of uh, currently back at a like real sort of uh, figures I've done and figures then I've also had second checked by uh, a very reputable architect looks like the the, the subsidies worth about one hundred and fifty grand per site you know so that so that's that's pretty good if you did nothing with your land since since the the crash you know that's a yeah. good, that's that's a nice get out um I, I do want to ask Roman if if you don't mind because we've often had this conversation on this podcast with you guys. <laughs> it must have been on about five or six times at this stage and every time we come on it inevitably creeps in the the idea then that this story hasn't gotten out into more bigger uh, mainstream outlets yet first first of all do you do you, do you think you know why or and is it a sort and secondly and you shouldn't ask two part questions but i will anyway is it a source of frustration um to answer your first question um we've spoken to a couple of journalists and our understanding is that they have tried to get comment. Um, and these, these are mainstream media journalists. They've tried to get comment from Niall Collins and he's not responding. Um, so if I, I mean, can push I think, back on that, though, you generally, if you want to go to publish, you might give someone 12 hours and then publish anyway, because you said you gave them the opportunity to comment. So but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, th there, there may be other things going on in the background. You know, a lot of the legal teams working for mainstream media organizations can be quite conservative, um, as we know, uh, uh, you know, uh, arguably not unreasonably considering our defamation laws. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that seems to be... Um, uh, where, where it's at with the mainstream at the moment. I, I do think it's a little bit strange, though. Um, you know, those constraints apply to the, the organizations themselves and, and the, you know, editors and that. But it is um, it, it, it is quite surprising that not a, a it seems to me anyway, that's pretty much not a single mainstream media journalist that a journalist has even acknowledged the allegations of the story um, and then just to answer your second question is it a source of frustration um, not really no not, not for me personally <laughs> anyway. like, I mean, we, oh, oh, oh and you you, uh, you you tend to be the more passionate of the, of the two of you well, I, 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 <laughs> are, are you are you uh, frustrated or disappointed no like you know look I've got to say you know if, if I wanted to be a mainstream journalist I'd 
like be a mainstream journalist, you know, and we concern ourselves with what we do and the mainstream does what they do. As you say, yeah, I mean, you want to publish something, you publish it. Now, look, got to have the shoulders for it, you know. Um, sometimes, yes, sometimes there are, you know, uh, fair enough considerations for um, these outlets. Other times it can be more of a kind of a shoulders thing, I think. And yeah, look, you know, um, look, he's been, uh, I think when I checked last, I think, you know, like Niall has been trending number one in Ireland. It's been, you know, four days of trending. And, you know, I think that like what we're doing is we're building something outside the mainstream. And that's what we kind of concern ourselves with. The mainstream, you know, what they do and don't cover, it's, um, look, I've got to say it's a matter for them and it's, it's a matter for their own credibility, I guess, like that um, they should be concerned themselves with. And I have a theory, if you don't mind me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here's my theory. It is seismically different to the ones that have come before. Seismically different. And it is actually something that could bring down this government. It is something that should, if if all the allegations stick, it should bring down the can, can I just put he's that again? He's going to have to step aside, no, Tony. Numbers I don't wise, see any way out of it. Numbers-wise, that they on paper, they only have a majority of one now, isn't it? That's it. He's the majority. Yeah. Now, so, here's, so you're forcing the independents into a position where they're going to support a guy who may may well end up in serious trouble. Are they? It, this is different to a no-confidence vote. If somebody brings a no-confidence vote in Collins now... That's enough to bring, the numbers are so tight, it could bring down a government. And I think that's why mainstream media, I don't think anybody wants to be the first to push the button on that avalanche. And that's why I think. Well, I, I, I actually, I wouldn't go so far as that, but I do think that the government themselves would understand they're, they're always looking at the numbers. They're always terrified. There's, there's a poll coming in the next few hours that I believe is not great news for them as well. You know, so um, I, I forget, just to say that I, 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 even if he did resign as a minister, he would still be. Mm, he still I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how it would uh, affect the numbers, but I do think that losing a third junior minister um, in nine months, so that would be, I think, fifteen percent of the junior cabinet in nine months over um, property interests would. You know, during the biggest housing crisis we've ever faced, would and I, I, but that's why it, that's why it, that's why this story is resonating on social Twitter, on social media. It's it's why it's resonating. If there wasn't a housing crisis, nobody'd give a damn. But we're in the biggest housing crisis, and I mean, more people are being evicted now than were evicted during the worst years of the famine, and that's the truth, and that's the truth. So it's a crisis. And that's why people care. And that's why I don't understand why somebody in media has to step forward. At least retweet you guys. At least verify. Say, that's a good story. Give you some credit for it. I have no problem. That's a good story, lads. Great credit for to ye for doing the work you do. Great story. There's a couple that's of... Loud, much appreciated. Just a, a couple of quick things before we wrap. First of all, uh, yeah, fair, you're right, Martin. Yeah, credit where credit's due. I think it's interesting the point you make, um, Owen, on the 
media e- ecosystem as it exists currently and I often think that we have a predominantly right wing media ecosystem and part of the reason why unfortunately people who are on the left often contribute to it is because the the left has, has failed to make a big enough space. I know it's something that we're trying to do on the Tortoise Shack and I know you guys have been trying to give a space to you know to this I'm not going to even call it alternative media. I just think it's a different ecosystem altogether. And we don't, you know, so we're not really interested in gatekeepers because we're not really interested in going into that field over there. You know, stay over there if that's what you want. The last thing I want to comment on, though, is on board Planala, a story that rumbles on, again, to give you guys credit that you started, right? You guys were the people who, who first of all, pointed out all of the issues going on in the background of Onboard Planala. And we see this week where the interim... Chair uh, Una Buckley had a go at Fred Logue because effectively he's been very successful. Uh, I think he's got a hit rate of about 85% on, on judicial reviews in relation to strategic housing developments. So just to be, before we wrap, I want to let listeners know what a judicial review in relation to strate- strategic housing development it is. So a developer puts in their planning. Then there's an eight-week window where everybody gets to submit their questions. And then it goes to a judge who ultimately decides that Fred Logue won. Okay, so exactly, and, and that's really pissed them off. Oh, um, Owen, can I ask you though? When you when you did, did you watch that this week and think the idea that you guys were pushing for culture change within on board Planola? Do you, do you feel any comfort feeling when you see comments like that? Oh, those guys. I mean, like um, to put it incredibly mildly, I mean, inappropriate. Uh, you know, like I think establishment parties, establishment. Uh, Commentariat, they can get quite sanctimonious. I think about you know, um, you know things like our rule of law and the social order, etc., etc. Et For the chair of a body like and board Planola to to make those comments, um, uh, you know, denigrating the work of someone who is who has done more than anyone to ensure that our planning system is you know as fair as possible that gives some level of voice to people who are oftentimes at, at at the sharp end of some of the most inequitous decisions uh to denigrate his work like that and to kind of um comments about how much money he was going to make uh i'm quite outrageous to be honest and it certainly doesn't it doesn't suggest yeah you want to talk about a culture change i mean um and is not suggesting she's going to be giving us anything new um you know from the board panel that Roman and I have been reporting on for the last almost year now, I think, you know. Thanks for doing this, guys. I always say thanks to people who step outside the easy path and take on the difficult stories. So thank you for taking on the difficult stories. I think we have to frame this and we have to frame this in the context of over nearly three and a half thousand homeless children. We have to frame it in the context that, that uh, women and children are homeless to a degree they have never ever been before before and before Fine Gael came into power there, there were very few homeless women and children and now they make up the biggest section so I think it's important to remember that this is a government that has actively worked against the people and I think in the light of that in the housing crisis this story is hugely important and I think it's not going to go away on social media and it's not going to die down and rightly so have you guys anything else coming up we've got more on this story next week we're going to be reporting some further developments i knew i know see i, I could have said that because you guys do the 
double tap and you're very good at it and it oh, this they, well another another Collins's choice this is probably the seventh <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, the, so, the, so looking forward to having a uh and if it, if it does lads if, if nobody report we're quite happy to talk to you always quite happy to talk to you yeah. martin doesn't mind because he doesn't get the legal letters uh, <laughs> i don't tell anybody um just obviously lads independent the media there's a lot of the lads get a lot of shit thrown at them but there is huge support for it, it is growing they're doing numbers that other media organizations could dream of really they, they, like i mean the hit rates that you guys are getting is just phenomenal so it's a credit to you but more importantly actually when you said about the the uh the three junior ministers there are mainstream outlets there that haven't don't have that sort of turnaround in, in terms of exposing corruption and bad ethical practices in decades and there you are so two lads just doing the grind so thanks for that um Last thing, Roman, if you don't mind me uh, asking you, is 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 it true though that you're you're actually going to uh, head off now and start working for? Uh, I believe it's the Irish Times as of uh, as of May. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't uh, you you wouldn't believe um, how many people uh, believed our our yeah. rules. Um, I actually believed that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I actually, just a funny uh, quick story. I got uh, on foot of that announcement. Um, I got contacted by two different people, two different tips on LinkedIn, um, and seemingly uh, because I was now suddenly uh, respectable media, they were willing to to give yeah. me tips for stories. You know, <laughs> well, well, like, they, they actually mentioned. They said, "Congratulations!" Like, I <laughs> well, we, we, the only thing is, you you were the one who did let in. They'd never let that fellow with that beard in into Tara Street. Look at him there. <laughs> Listen, folks, we leave it there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Check out the lads' work. Continue to uh, support it and uh and and it just uh hopefully now someone will pick this up and, and and run with it because we have to have accountability it has to matter we'll talk to you all very very soon take care bye-bye tony and martin martin and tony speaking to interesting people only it's the echo chamber podcast subscribe now on